series this morning uh, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And those selections from the Proverbs are printed for you uh, there in your bulletin. Uh, We need the Proverbs uh, because life is incredibly complex. Uh, Life is not easy. Life is not straightforward. Uh, Our situations, our circumstances, they're, they're all unique And oftentimes, they're they're really difficult to navigate. And so the Proverbs function as wisdom literature that helps us navigate the complexities of life. Uh, They help us in the gray areas. Uh, It's been said they give us skill in the art of godly living. Or that they provide a portfolio for the nuances of our lives. And we've been looking at them this summer based on on different topics. You know, usually we'll go passage by passage through a series. And the Proverbs really lend themselves being batched together and and addressing some of the main topics that they speak to. This morning we're looking at what the Proverbs tell us about planning. What does wise planning look like? And as I read a a selection of these, I, I wonder where you find yourself this morning when it comes to planning. Um, are, are you a planner? A lover of, of spreadsheets, uh, budgets, itineraries, uh, minimizing and controlling variables, uh, or do you just kind of figure it out as you go? Um, as any good preacher would, I asked my kids this week uh, if they have plans for their future. And that's a great question to ask your kids, by the way. I said, do you have, do you have any plans for your future? And they, they looked at me. And they, they sort of like shrugged their shoulders and they said, nah, not really. So there you go. But where are you this morning when it comes to planning? Uh, l- let me read a selection of these and we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, I'm going to start, uh, I'm not going to read all of these. I'm going to start with 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 20, verse 18. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. 12, verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. This is God's word. Let me uh, pray and ask for him to help us to understand it this morning. Our Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom to us. Lord, thank you that you have not left us to, to do life on our own but you've spoken to us in your word. And we ask that you would meet us during this time, that you would help us to know you more, to know your son Jesus Christ more, and that might be reflected in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so one of the things that I love the most about my job is getting to officiate weddings. Um, It's always such an honor to get to stand up front with, uh, with the bride and the groom as they exchange their vows. I can remember one of the first weddings that I did, 
Um, it was the marriage of two of, of um, the former students that were involved in the college ministry that I led for a while. And so I got to see them meet and then start dating and get engaged. And then here we were for their big day, and it was such an honor to be there. Uh, this was back in Kentucky, and they had planned this really, really cool outdoor wedding. Uh, and it was in an old tobacco barn. There are a lot of beautiful old tobacco barns in Kentucky. And uh, you can imagine the scene, right? There's the beautiful old barn, um, a lot of mason jars, uh, a lot of candles, uh, a lot of beards on the groomsmen. Um, you, you get the idea. And the bride had planned such a beautiful day and a beautiful wedding. And the thought was that the ceremony would be outside of the barn down by this pond. And then the reception would be up in the barn. But sure enough, about 30 minutes before the ceremony started, it started pouring down rain. Like rain like we've had this week, like torrential nonstop rain. And so, the, you know, of course that was disappointing. And the backup plan was that we would move the ceremony from the pond up into the barn. It makes sense, right? And so the wedding planner... Um, goes to the bride to ask her if she's okay with this. All right, now to set the scene for this conversation, at this point I had gone over to where the bride and the bridesmaids, the mother of the bride and the wedding planner were, to say hello to them before the service, to pray with them. And so here we are, it's me and the bridal party, and the wedding planner asks this bride, um, you know, are you okay if we move the ceremony up into the barn because it's pouring down rain? Everyone was assuming the answer would be yes. And the bride looks at the wedding planner and says, no. And we sort of get a little tense, a little surprised by her response. And, um, and so the, 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 the wedding planner and the mother of the bride begin to like gently try to convince the bride that, hey, it's really pouring outside. It would be a good idea to move the ceremony into the barn. And we're all just sort of like on eggshells waiting to see what the bride would say. And she says, No. And so now we don't know what to do. It's a little tense before a wedding regardless, uh, let alone when, there's, when the plans are not going uh, how you thought they would. And so at this point, as you might imagine, I'm off in the corner of the room, uh, and, and um, the, the wedding planner very gently asks the bride, she says, okay, well, then, then what do you want to do? And then the bride looks at me and says, you, pray that the rain would stop. And so I laughed a little bit, and then I realized she was serious, and then I got really nervous because, like, this is like the ultimate test of my credentials. <laughs> and so, sure enough, I, I lead us uh, in prayer that the rain would stop, one of the most nerve-wracking prayers I've ever prayed. We delayed the ceremony for 10 minutes, and sure enough, the rain left, and we had the most beautiful, bright, sunny ceremony that you could have imagined. Uh, the Lord was very, very kind to us, me in particular, that day. Uh, but the bride was so committed to her plan of this perfect outdoor wedding, nothing was going to get in the way of it. And it happened to work out beautifully that day. Where do you find yourself when it comes to planning? Think about this. Um, why do you plan things the way that you do? What are your motives and the planning that goes on in your life? Whether it's how you're going to spend your Saturday or what the next 50 years will look like. 
Sometimes if we dig deep down in our hearts, um, our hearts can really reveal a mixed bag of motives. And, and we can't always perfectly understand what's going on in there. Um, but there may be a number of things motivating your planning. It might be something like pride. Um, I know what's best for me. God doesn't. Others don't. And so in this particular situation or in my life, I'm going to plan it because I know what's best. It's pride that's, that's fueling it. Maybe it's something like fear, right? Uh, it's a cruel world, so I've got to look out for number one. Uh, I'm going to protect myself at all costs. And so fear motivates the plans that you make. Maybe it's control. It's control. This is the way that this is going to happen. This is the way that it must go. You're controlling. Maybe it's selfishness behind your planning. Me, my pleasure first, and let others fend for themselves. Maybe it's laziness. No planning necessary. I don't want to think about that. We'll just figure it out as we go. What's the heart behind your planning? Uh, We've said this a few times during this series, but Proverbs really lay out for us two paths. uh, The path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. And so it's always a fork in the road moment. There's a lot of contrast in the Proverbs. And so let's think about planning through that lens today. Uh, Wise planning and foolish planning. Let's talk about foolish planning first. So we were actually created to be planners. Um, Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 1 and 2 were tasked uh, with cultivating and working the land, making a plan for their labor and to execute that plan in the garden. We were born planners. Uh, But then sin enters the picture in Genesis 3, our rebellion against God. And this rebellion against God, it totally fractures God's good created order. All right, so how does sin take this good concept of being wise and planning and twist it into something ugly, something that it wasn't intended to be? The Proverbs here, they highlight a few different ways that our planning becomes foolish. And I just want to highlight four. The first is this. The first we see evil plans. We see evil plans. And that sounds pretty ominous, right? You think of like Dr. Evil or like the Grinch from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, right? Um, Certainly... Evil plans, this includes um, really elaborate plans of harm like terrorist attacks and you know, mass shootings or you know, money laundering schemes. These, these grand sorts of evil come to mind. But these evil plans, this also includes these little internal decisions that you and I make that harm those who are close to us. Look in your bulletin at these Proverbs. Look at chapter 3, verse 29. It says, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Chapter 12, verse 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Right, this is what the human heart is capable of. This shows how sin infects us, that it gives us this, this two-sided nature within us right, that can be incredibly duplicitous where we can be nice and smiling uh, on one hand, and the other hand be formulating these really evil plans for those that we're close to, our neighbors, as 329 says. 
What might this look like? It might look like um, planning a roundabout way to, to, sh- to spread rumors or share some juicy bit of gossip that you heard about someone at just the right time um, because you know it's going to tear down their reputation and make, make you look better. Those are evil plans. Uh, maybe it's um, beginning to plan these little steps that you know are ultimately going to lead to an affair. And so you take it step by step with this plan. Maybe it's planning little ways to to fudge the numbers at work, to make yourself look better, to put more money in your pocket. Maybe it's evil plans uh, by manipulating or coercing someone else to do something that they don't want to do or that they shouldn't do. And you know, in all these things, our hearts are incredibly deceptive and internally we can justify each of these little plans that we're making and it eventually leads into full-blown evil. And these Proverbs are telling us that it's foolish to make evil plans, that though it may provide some temporary gain, some short-term pleasure, um, it's going to lead to destruction. Evil plans are foolish. We also see fear-driven plans. Fear-driven plans. Look at chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. All right, so wisdom according to the Proverbs, wisdom begins with what? Begins with fear of the Lord. Wisdom is not um, living in fear of the bad things that could happen, but often this is a type of fear that motivates a lot of our planning. Um, So rather than yielding our plans to the Lord, like this proverb says, our fear-driven plans, they insist on their own way. And they're motivated by this constant fear of what could happen, of what might be. And at times, you know, on the outside, this can look like responsibility. But it's often motivated by just a lack of trust in the Lord. A very significant doubt in His goodness. So out of our fear, we try to control the future with our plans. And what's the operating assumption behind this? It's that no one's going to look out for me. God's not going to look out for me. So I'm going to make sure I have a plan to make sure that I'm okay. Are your plans driven by fear? Uh, When I was working in college ministry, there was a semester where we needed to plan a a retreat over the weekend for our students. And so I found this large rental property online that, that was in a beautiful part of the state. And, uh, you know, it looked, it fit all the criteria. It was, it was large enough to hold our group and, um, and uh, it fit our budget. It was close to the hiking, the activities we wanted to do. And the pictures looked pretty good. So, so I booked this property. And we get there and the owner meets me at the property to show me around. And the houses on the property are great. Um, but the views surrounding this property were breathtaking. It was just beautiful because it was up on this like mountain plateau. And so there was one road up to this property and surrounding it, it was just cliffs all the way around. And the owner and I were standing on one of these cliffs um, talking about how beautiful it was. And then the owner casually says this to me. He says, that's why we get a lot of guests preparing for a zombie apocalypse. Because the cliffs give them a vantage point all the way around in case they were to get attacked. And so I asked a follow-up question, as you might in this situation. 
And I said, I said, you get guests that stay here because they're afraid of a zombie apocalypse? And he said, again, very casually, yeah, we get a few each year. He said, they usually stay until they realize we aren't being attacked and that the threat is gone. And I just sort of nodded and looked at him trying to take in what he had just said. But y'all, this property was known as a place of safety for those fearing a zombie apocalypse. Like this, was, this property was a part of their plan. How much of your planning is based on fear? You know, this, this fear leads us to think that we have got to control the future and that it has to go a certain way if things are going to be okay. Do you know that the Bible says to us at least 365 times, do not fear? At least 365 times, do not fear. And certainly, that means that fear shouldn't be a factor in how we plan. But we see this fear, it spills over in our planning, where we go beyond just wise preparation for something unexpected, uh, into this realm of insisting that things go a certain way, and if they don't, we're doomed. Um, I must get into this college and get this degree in order for my life to end up okay. Um, I must get this promotion to make this much money in order for life to be enjoyable. I must meet my spouse and get married by this certain age in order to be happy. Uh, My kids must excel in these certain areas if they're going to turn out okay. Fear just infuses so many of the plans that we make for our lives. So here's a question to think about as you plan. Are my plans driven by fear and control or by trust and wisdom? Are my plans driven by fear and control or trust and wisdom? It's foolish to let fear and control drive our planning. The next thing that we see, and this is much more brief here, um, self-centered plans. Self-centered plans are, are foolish. Look at chapter 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So all of these Proverbs, this one in particular, they keep before us that it is God who establishes our steps, that he is at the center of all things. Yet one of the primary ways we rebel against God is by not keeping him at the center, but putting ourselves at the center. Uh, This past week I traveled for a funeral and the man that passed away um, had such a deep, deep impact on those around him. Um, So much so that when his obituary was posted online, um, his dry cleaners reached out to express their condolences because over the years this man had such an impact uh, on those who worked at the dry cleaners. Uh, This same man, uh, at his funeral, um, his dog groomer showed up at his funeral because he had such an impact on this person who had cared for the dogs. Um, This man's life and plans were not self-centered. They were always other-centered. And I, I heard comment after comment this week about his kindness and his hospitality and his generosity um, at his death, as people thought about how he lived, they, talk about, they talked about his selflessness. That he was not self-centered. He was focused on others. Are your plans self-centered? How about your use of time? 
self-centered or other-centered. The use of the resources that have been entrusted to you, self-centered or other-centered. You know, behind all this, it's this lie that we're all tempted to believe that, I, that if I can just get a little bit more of fill-in-the-blank, then that'll be enough and I'll be happy. But you know that it never is. Self-centered plans are never fulfilling. It's foolish to plan this way. Last thing I'll say about foolish plans is this. It's foolish to not have any plans. Um, Not making plans is unwise. That doesn't take a lot of explanation. Uh, Just think about it this way. Um, When you are really hungry and you go to the grocery store and you don't have a shopping list and you don't have a budget and you just sort of like roam the aisles grabbing stuff off the shelves and then you get back to your car and you have like Slim Jims and candy bars and all this stuff and you're like, what what just happened in there? Um, That is life with no plans. You're constantly just surprised at what's in front of you. It's not wise to navigate life without plans. All right, so our sin causes us to take a good thing like planning and to twist it into something that it shouldn't be. Um, What do the Proverbs recommend to us? What is wise planning? Uh, These Proverbs are telling us that it is good and wise to make plans, and they actually help by giving us a grid through which to think about our planning. And the first thing we see is this, that wise plans are made in community. Wise plans are made in community. Look at chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Chapter 20, verse 18. Plans are established by counsel. By wise guidance, wage war. Uh, This is very simply saying that wisdom comes when we include others in the process of our planning. and We don't make those plans in isolation. And uh, you've seen this principle at work before. I mean, think about a group project or a committee or a board uh, that's considering something, right? Someone proposes an idea, and the group um, dialogues and debates and works through this. And over the course of the meeting, it gets refined and clarified. And at the end of that meeting, you walk out, you have something that, that is so much better that you decided upon as a group than what one person walked in with. With many advisors, plans succeed. I can remember the first time I walked into a counseling office uh, to receive counseling. And I had all these fears going into the counseling office, uh, looming over me. Um, What is this counselor about to tell me? Um, What are they going to see in my life that I've been missing that's the reason for the ways I've been struggling? Um, Where, in what ways are they going to tell me that I'm wrong where I actually think I'm right? All those questions were rattling around in my head as I stepped into the office. But this is the exact reason you go to a counselor, right? To get this outside wisdom on your particular struggle or situation to get help. And counseling has led to significant insight and growth in my own life that never would have happened on my own. The prophets are telling us to get wisdom from outside of ourselves when we plan. Don't do it on your own. Let others speak into the process. Our plans are better if we do it in community. And they say that they're actually going to fail if we don't do it in community. Why? Because we don't know everything. We have lots of blind spots. We need others to speak into that. So who do you talk to about things like your finances, your financial plan? Who do you talk to about your dating relationships, 
and plans for the future? Who do you talk to about college choice and career plans? These Proverbs were telling us that wise plans are made in community. We also see that wise plans are made in humility. Wise plans are made in humility. This may be one of the most difficult yet freeing principles given to us here. Uh, Look at chapter 16, verse 3. It says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. So this word commit in verse 3 is really important here. One commentator, Bruce Waltke, says it this way. He says, The admonition commit to, it connotes a sense of finality. Roll it unto the Lord and leave it there. I love that. This is making plans in humility. Roll it unto the Lord and leave it there. He goes on to say about our planning, he says, God can make them successful or cancel them or bring about the reverse of what people intended. Even the best human plans and efforts cannot stand before him if he does not will it. Think about the story of your life where you are today, even being in this room. I'm guessing uh, that your life has included a lot more hardship and suffering than you would have originally planned for yourself. I'm also guessing your life has included a lot more surprising joy that you would not have planned it in the way that you have planned. Uh, Regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I'm willing to bet that that your story has not turned out the way you would have written it. Why? Because God is the author of our stories. And so when we plan, we make plans in humility. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says it this way. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. This gives us so much freedom as we plan, right? We, we don't know the future, and we won't know the future. What we know is how God has called us to live today. We have that revealed to us in His Word. And so in light of that, we, we follow God in His Word, and we trust Him with the outcome. And this trust and this humility, it drives out that fear. Listen to what Jesus says about worrying about tomorrow. This is in your bulletin. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Wise plans are made in humility. Last thing we see about wise plans here is that wise plans are made in Christ. Wise plans are made in Christ. As Christians who have the New Testament, we see the person of Jesus Christ. We see him come to us as the wisdom of God personified. What does perfect wisdom look like? It looks like Jesus Christ. All right, so what does it mean to be in Christ? It means to be united to him by faith. It means that you trust him alone for your salvation, that he is the center of your life. And when this is true of you, it dramatically reshapes how we make our plans, right? Because we, in Christ, we've been given a new heart. We've been given a new identity. And certainly this means we've been given a new set of priorities through which we'll make 
those plans. And you know how all this is possible for us to be given this new life in Christ? This is possible because Jesus Christ himself laid down his own plans for the sake of his Father's plans. Look at the other passage from Matthew in your bulletin. Matthew 26, verse 39. This is Jesus in a garden before he went to the cross. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Christ yielded himself to the plans of his Father. And it took him to the cross where he purchased our salvation. Now, if we have a Savior who loves us so much that he's willing to die for us, is he not trustworthy with our plans? Uh, Can we not have confidence that his plans for us really are good plans? That we don't have to be afraid. That we don't have to try to control everything. You can actually keep reading in the scriptures and you get to see where his plan takes us. God tells us that. It takes us to what the Bible calls the new heavens and the new earth. A place where there is no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sickness, no more sin, no more death. Only joy and celebration and worship with God and his people forever. This is where his good plan takes us. And it's guaranteed by his resurrection. Now, do you see how being in Christ is the one thing that can truly reshape our plans? And not just reshape the plans themselves, but the heart behind our plans. This love and this grace from Jesus Christ, it it drives out that fear. It drives out our need to control everything. It drives out that self-centeredness. It drives out those desires for evil against others. We make our plans around that which we find ultimate. We make our plans around that which we find ultimate. And so when Jesus Christ is ultimate to you, you will make your plans accordingly. Practically, what might this look like? Just a few thoughts. How about your calendar, planning your calendar? Um, Instead of squeezing out every moment for yourself, Maybe you begin to find ways to serve others with your time by giving it away. Um, To simply be with people in unhurried ways. Uh, You loosen the grip on your schedule. The way you plan your calendar changes. What about with your finances? How does this shape planning with your finances? Um, See last week's sermon on, on generosity from the Proverbs for sure. But when Christ is ultimate in your life, um, suddenly your image and material things lose their standing. They're no longer ultimate to you. And these new priorities arrive, uh, arise within you, rather, with, with, with your finances. Things like generous giving and wise saving for your future and for those that come after you. Changes the way you think about financial planning. How about for your future, just in general? Um, whether it's, again, how you spend your Saturday, 
where you go to college, the career you pursue, what will come of your family, and all the timing with them. When Christ is ultimate, the the fears of those what-ifs really lose their edge. Because we are totally secure in Christ. This means that, that when we do plan for our future, we can relax. We cannot take ourselves so seriously. And we entrust ourselves to the plans of the Lord. Wise plans are made in Christ. Um, I've spoken before about some of the vacations I grew up taking in Colorado. Um, Almost every summer we would head west to the Rocky Mountains, and it was always the highlight of my summer. And I can vividly remember my first trip to the mountains. Um, We were so excited. uh, And so we, we started the long drive across the state of Kansas, and it was a really long day. And so... Uh, my parents made the decision that we were going to stop in eastern Colorado at a Holiday Inn and stay the night. It's a great decision, been a long day, go the rest of the way the next day. I didn't realize what was going on as, as a young kid at the time. Um, and if you've ever been to eastern Colorado, uh, you'll know that it, uh, it looks more like Kansas than Colorado. Uh, there are no mountains there. It's pretty flat. It's all farmland. Um, let's just say it's not like a big vacation destination, the Holiday Inn in eastern Colorado. Uh, So we pull in and we walk inside, and as a kid, two things immediately stand out to me. Uh, I see a breakfast buffet and an indoor swimming pool. And so the thought that immediately comes to mind, again, I wasn't sure what was going on, I thought, this is amazing. We have arrived at our vacation destination. There's a breakfast buffet, an indoor pool, I think there's an arcade somewhere. This is going to be an amazing week. And so I start thinking through the week ahead, like, this is vacation. And when my parents realize what's going on, they say, oh, no, no, Jonathan, no, no, no. This is not vacation. This is not what we've planned for you. Yeah, enjoy the pool. Eat as much as you can at the buffet. Put some in your pocket for the road. But we're going to get in the car tomorrow, and we're going to drive to the Rocky Mountains. And, and you will be so overwhelmed with the plans that we have made for you. You're going to see sights that you've never seen before. Uh, you're going to see wildlife you've never seen before. You're going to go on some amazing hikes Uh, You're going to play mini golf. We're going to do all kinds of fun things the week ahead. You have no idea what awaits you. And sure enough, we wake up the next day, we drive the rest of the way into the mountains, and it was really one of the most memorable weeks of my life. It far exceeded what I thought would make up a good week of vacation. It's wise for us to make plans. But the wisest thing that we can do is to keep Christ at the center of our lives and to trust Him and to trust what the Lord has planned for us because what He has for us is far, far better than anything we could ever plan for ourselves. Let me pray for us and ask God to help us believe this. Father, You are uh, such a good Father to us. You are the author of our stories. And Lord, we can all reflect that that, that many of us would not be in this room right now if it were up to us. We had other plans, but um, thankfully your plan wins. Your plan is better. We thank you that at the center of your plan is our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we find our salvation, the one in whom uh, your plan brings us in for life eternal with him. God, would you help us to make plans in community with each other? 
Would you help us to do this in humility, trusting and yielding to you? And would you help us to keep Christ central in all of our planning? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.